you're about to hear is the fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. It is Festivus time for airing of the grievances. Oh yeah, I am looking at you swamp dwellers. Oh, and how you and I can help Glenn to help small business owners. That's next on the Glenn Beck Program. It's Jeff Katz in today for my friend Glenn Beck on the Glenn Beck Program. Oh my goodness, yes! Festivus, completely and totally made up, I get it. But at the very core, was that not one of the, the truest... The most real sorts of expressions. I got problems with you people. I got problems with a lot of you people. Yeah, I'm looking at those people in D.C. Look, last night, President Trump did something that nobody expected him to do. You remember yesterday what we were talking a little bit about? Ah, we're all going to get $600. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, $600. Nobody's been able to work properly for what 10 months remember now we're we're 10 months into the two week flattening the curve how flat does this curve need to get i don't know i'm not an expert in curves and i'm certainly not an expert in flattening them but 10 months and for 10 months what have we heard you are a bad person oh no it it has been directed towards you and me and fundamentally anybody who is not an elected leftist or just a pontificating leftist. They're all pontificating, but you get what I'm saying. Unless you're an uber leftist who has gone in on the idea of, yep, we're all going to hide under our beds and, and we'll come out when we are told to come out. Look, my parents tried this curfew thing when I was like 16. You got to be home by 10. All right, 10, 10. 10, 15? 11.22, that's it, 11.22, and if you're not, it didn't work then. And I'm in a place, I should remind you, here in central Virginia, what, it's a beautiful area, marvelous people, but man, have we got a wingnut for a governor. And what's weird about it, I think it's like a lot of other states around the country, we've got this little chunk of Virginia, and it's right outside of Washington, D.C., And you know who lives there? Everybody who works in Washington, D.C. Everybody who is, I swear to you, a major part of what President Trump called the swamp. These are the swamp dwellers. They go to D.C., they spend other people's money, and then they come back to Northern Virginia. All right, listen. I want them to live long, happy, healthy lives. I really do. I wish that for everybody. I'm at a point in my life where it's like, yeah, it takes a lot of... A lot of effort to hate somebody. Oh, I could dislike you intently. That's easy. Boom. But hate, eh, that's, that's just, mm, I got to work at that. and You got to get up early. And you might have to put on the new clean pair of sweatpants. So I can't be bothered hating people. But I'm telling you, oh, I dislike them. Dislike them a lot. And they're all s- just situated right there around Washington, D.C. But they make the decisions. Right, the rest of us in the Commonwealth of Virginia, we're all sort of spread out. Ah, you got half an acre, you got an acre, you got ten acres. Uh, somebody else has a farm, and that's kind of where I live in this area, Hanover County, which is beautiful. It's 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 the quintessential America. There are farms here. Now, look, I, I told you, I'm a city kid. I grew up in the inner city of Philadelphia. I 
just always believed that meat came in shrink wrap and styrofoam. That 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 was yeah. I uh, mm. so here's the deal. I get out here, and I'm amongst people who, among other things, know how to. They really know how to hunt. They can make their own food. They can take care of themselves. I thought, yeah, I like this. I mean, I don't know how to do any of that stuff, but I like being around people that do. But those people in Northern Virginia keep voting, well, for people like them, far left-wing people who firmly believe, and I do mean firmly believe, that the answer to everything is more government. Remember back when that was a big debate? Well, if you're on the right, you say, I I think our fundamental default position is, let's try that dreaded private sector. Seems like there are a lot of people who do business, and they kind of figured out how to help people along the way. Okay. And then the left was like, no, 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 it got to be more from the government. So that was the fundamental disagreement, but now it's just gone off the rails. So, we get $600, we're told. How many people were excited about it? How many people had already spent the $600? I'm going to tell you right now, most people. Most people around this country, if you believe the media, if you believe the leftists, I repeat myself there, but if you believe them, yeah, $600 was great. And then <laughs> President Trump stood up and said, okay, hang on a second here. Now, let me see if I understand this correctly. You are calling this 5,600-page bill the COVID relief bill. Okay. So how come we're sending $85 million to Cambodia? I have nothing against Cambodia, but I don't live there, and I don't know why $85 Five million dollars is going there. How about one hundred and thirty-four million dollars to Burma? Quick question for you: Can you find Burma on a map? I've got a general idea. I'm not going to sit here and lecture. I've told you, I'm I'm the only person in the room, and I'm still not the smartest guy in the room. So I I, I, I you know I looked at a map went, uh, somewhere over here. I'd probably be close, but I don't know that I could pick it out on a map. $1.3 billion for Egypt and the Egyptian military, which we're told, according to President Trump, will probably be used to buy Russian military equipment. Pakistan. Don't know what's going on over in Pakistan, but they are getting $25 million for, quote, democracy and gender programs. Can you explain them? Because I can't. How about Belize, Costa Rica, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, Nicaragua, and Panama? That's $505 million going to those countries. And you want to hear one of the kickers? The Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C. Now, the Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C. is, as I understand it, a lovely place. Marvelous shows and presentations. I've never been. I have friends who have gone, and they say, oh my gosh, Jeff, you've got to go to the Kennedy Center. Gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Okay. They're picking up $40 million. Now, here's the problem with that. They're not even open for business. How about the Smithsonian? I don't think they're open. A billion dollars for them. 
$154 million for the National Gallery of Art. And again, these are places that are not open. But you think that that's it? That's it, right? Jeff, come on. All right, all right. We'll just deal with it because I want my $600. I need it. See, if you want it, that's one thing. Tell you right now, I want somebody to give me money. But I don't need it. I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to say that, right? I'm still going to be able to pay the bills. We still went out and purchased uh, Hanukkah gifts and Christmas presents. And we paid for them. Paid for them. So I am, again, like I used, I, I've said in the past, oh, I'm lucky, I'm fortunate. I think, no, listen, Jeff, please. It's a little too much credit for you, dude. I'm blessed. And I know there are other people that go, no, nah, man, I need that $600. I can't pay my rent because I can't work. All right, well, you need it. And I want you to have the opportunity to make way more than $600. But let me get back to the president. You ready for this? $7 million for reef fish management. I don't know what a reef fish is, and I don't know why we need managers for them. $25 billion to combat Asian carp, and $2.5 million to count, count the number of amberjack fish in the Gulf of Mexico. Now, we've got what? 19 million Americans who are out of work right now? Don't you think? I mean, if we're going to go and have this project, we've got to count the amberjack fish in the Gulf of Mexico. Why? Well, because we don't know how many there are. Okay. How do we count them? I don't know. Are we going to need people? Eh, Probably. Can we hire some of the 19, 20 million unemployed Americans to go and count the amberjack fish in the Gulf of Mexico? I mean, it's just an idea. It's just an idea. President Trump also said the bill also allows stimulus checks for the family members of illegal aliens, allowing them to get up to $1,800 each. And this is far more than the Americans are given. Despite all of this wasteful spending and much more, the $900 billion package provides hardworking taxpayers with only $600 each. Wow. President Trump says, you people go back. You go back to the table. I'm not signing this garbage. And if you do want me to sign it, you got to go back and give each American two thousand dollars well i suppose it's a start right you and i need to uh to analyze that for sure 888-727-BECK 888-727-BECK and i remind you must reads every single day multiple times a day glennbeck.com glennbeck.com and of course the blaze.com as well if you want to send me some email now i'm going to give you my website it's probably the easiest way for you to send me some email you go to thejeffkatzshow.com, thejeffkatzshow.com, and there's a contact button there, and by all means, reach out. It is Jeff Katz in today for Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Jeff Katz in today for Glenn on the Glenn Beck Program. Yeah, airing of the grievances, look... It's about what's being done. It's about how it's being done. 
And it's about what you and I do or do not wind up doing on our end. President Trump has fought for us for four years. And I tell you, just like, just like Glenn, I was late to the party. I really was. I remember when Donald Trump came down that big escalator at Trump Tower and announced that he was running for president. Like a lot of people, I went, nah, no. How's he going to run for president? He's not a politician. How, how is he going to run for president? He's not a politician. And it took me quite a while to figure out that's how and why he's running for president. And over the last four years, as I've watched and listened, read, so many folks beating the man up, and I mean beating him viciously, I found myself defending him. And I didn't think I would. Now, was it everything? No, look, I'm a father of three kids. And my two sons, I, I hope, I pray, I'm, I'm raising properly, tr- teaching them to do this and not to do that. And I got to tell you, in all candor, some of the president's tweets, man, just rubbed me the wrong way. Like, ah, I don't want that. Some of the ways he spoke, ah, I wasn't crazy about. Well, then I realized, Jeff, take a look at the mirror. Perfect? No. Close to perfect? Mm, Not so much. It's the same thing for the president. And then you watch him. You listen to him. You read his words and you go, oh, I get it. I get it. Not capable of being bought off. Not beholden to those in the swamp. That's why he can do this stuff. That's why he does what he does. And that is why they hate him. They want him gone. Now, January the 6th seems to be the next opportunity for President Trump to be returned to the Oval Office, to be reelected. Right? That's the day that all of these electoral ballots from all over the country come into Congress. And you need one member of Congress on the House side and one member of Congress on the Senate side. And all they've got to do is stand up and say, hey, hey, hey we're objecting to some of this stuff. And it's not for all of the states. It's for those four states. Four states where there's all this talk about fraud and mail-in balloting being abused. Look, I don't have the answers for that, but I want them. And I'm not telling you that the election went this way, that way, the other way. I'm just saying I'm sitting here as an adult, as a grown man, and I grew up in Philadelphia. If you're telling me that everything was above board in Philadelphia in this election, then I am here to tell you that was the first time in a hundred years. So why not examine all of this stuff? Why not take a look at it? And at the same time, take a look at what President Trump, at least in theory, in his final 30 days in office is trying to do. And that's going back to these pinheads and saying, all right, you're giving all this money to Burma. You're giving billions of dollars for the Smithsonian and the National Gallery of Art and the Kennedy Center. They're not even open. How much does it take to go in there once a week, mop the floors? There are no people that are going there. It's all closed. So how or why are you going to spend that kind of money? And the president says, look, if you are going to do that, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be sure that the American people 
are going to get at least $2,000 per person. Is it enough? Is it the right amount? No. None of this is the right amount. That's the whole point. We've got this beautiful economy that's been shut down. American entrepreneurs thrown under the bus. And then what do we do? Well, send them some money. They'll shut up. So President Trump says, look, go back there. Fix this. Provide more money for the American people. Maybe I'll sign it. January the 6th. One congressman, one senator. Will they stand up? Vice President Mike Pence apparently will decide what is or is not going to happen at that point. Now, Mike Pence is an honorable man. I'm going to just tell you that right now. Mike Pence and I were, were talk show hosts together a thousand years ago. Little baby talk show hosts. And then we were watered and taken care of. And Mike Pence obviously went on to achieve greater things than I did. But that's not the point. He's a good guy. I know Mike Pence to be an honorable, decent, upstanding man. And I expect nothing from him except the truth and a big dose of honesty come January the 6th. Now, we need to talk about that. And if you have been on glennbeck.com, and I hope you have, you've read about Glenn's efforts to help some of the small business owners in America. We can't help everybody, right? You and I can do it in our local basement. Get out of that basement. Go and visit the businesses if they're open. If you're still stuck in the basement, well, how about a GoFundMe? Pretty doggone easy. So we're going to be talking about that. And I want to ask you one other thing. If you're talking about small business, and we keep talking about small business, we use it as a throwaway line, I keep asking people to say, well, why don't we... Why don't we talk about local instead? Because behind every single small business, there are real honest-to-goodness people. And you know New York? New York has now decided we're going to put the Uber and Lyft drivers out of work. Why? Well, we're going to put them out of work to help them by imposing wage standards, even though it'll make them unemployed. Insanity. 888-727-BECK, 888-727-BECK. Jeff Katz in for Glenn today, the Glenn Beck Program. Jeff Katz in today for Glenn on the Glenn Beck Program. President Trump says, I'm not signing it. I'm not signing it. No deal. 600 bucks per person, forget about it. You take all the money you're wasting on buildings that are not open. You take that money that you send into some country nobody has uh, visited because we can't travel. Because we can't go anywhere. And you give that to the American people. That's it. You want this deal done? All of you politicos got all excited. Well, we made a deal. Nancy Pelosi jumped right off of broomstick one and said, we got a deal. Now, she was so excited about $600. And at the same same moment she said that i'm thinking wait a minute didn't you just jump up and down and complain when there was opportunity for people to have a thousand dollars sixteen hundred dollar tax benefits Trump. oh okay gotcha mitch mcconnell well joe biden's the president i'm looking forward to having bourbon with him again when did you stop having bourbon with him <laughs> trump's the old it's like the odd guy out going mm, no whether I'm here for four years and 30 days or just 30 days, I continue to do what I'm doing on behalf of the American people. New York City decided that drivers for Lyft 
have to be paid a minimum wage. Now, the problem with this is that those drivers are not employees of Lyft. The drivers are people who say, okay, I got a car. I've got a license. I want to make some money. And Lyft says, you got it. We got a couple of standards. You meet those. You can be part of our platform. So you know what happened? Taxi and Limousine Commission said $17 an hour. Okay. You know what happened to Lyft? We don't need you anymore. Maine imposed an $18 per hour minimum wage. You know what businesses did? Said, thanks, we got to go. 888-727-BECK. 888-727-BECK. Remember, you've got to read glennbeck.com and theblaze.com. And if you want to send me some email, I'm always happy to take a look at that. Go to uh, my website, thejeffcatshow.com, thejeffcatshow.com, and there's a great little uh, contact button there. Jerry is in Ohio. Hey, Jerry, welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, I want to compliment you. It's Idaho, not Iowa. <laughs> I said Idaho. Hey, uh, I'm from Philadelphia, a- Jeff. That's a legend. I and there you go. <laughs> I got you. Hey, <laughs> thank you, man. You're, you're a true hero. I, I love to listen to the radio. I'm, I'm, I served during Vietnam and and I've uh, been a professor for many years. And I'm, I'm I'm ashamed of what has happened in our country. Uh, yeah. I do have a question for you, but I don't want to compliment you. The the facts you're sharing with everyone. Everyone, I, I just can't imagine people listen to this and say, ah, whatever. You know, I just, I just can't imagine that people can just, uh, just put this off and not listen to it and not want to do yeah. something to help our country. Yep. What we're experiencing right now is godlessness and cowardice. The same kind yeah. of cowardice that ran away from the service in Vietnam and then got amnesty. And, and don't forget those cowards. And a lot of them are still alive and, and doing their dirty deeds today. But here's my specific question for you. Maybe you can answer it. There are a lot of people in this country uh, who came from other countries. They started businesses. They work by themselves. They don't have employees. And and the government offers them during the coronavirus to shut down, to limit their services. And then guess what? They get nothing. All they get offered is a crappy loan. They're already in debt. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They're already in debt. They get offered zero. Nothing. Oh. Except a lousy loan from a bank that's going to screw them. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, Jeff, for your for your work. Maybe you could answer that for me, and maybe saying it on the radio might inspire <laughs> the government to help these people. Well, Jerry, I appreciate. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate the kind words, and thank you for calling the Glenn Beck program. Answers. You know, this is a problem. I don't have answers. I got a lot of questions. That's what I do. I ask questions. Well, I ask questions, and then I complain about the questions I asked. Right? That's my job. People far smarter than I am are supposed to come up with the answers. But how do you do that? How do you say to the business, look, we're shutting you down and, uh, well, that's it. You figure it out from there because that's what's going on. Michael in Ohio, welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. Morning, Jeff. How are we doing? I am fine. Thank you, sir. Yeah, I just wanted to make a comment here for all the listeners out there that are paying attention um, and why none of the Republicans are backing... Mr. Trump, or President Trump, that is, is because when Trump was going for re-election, he decided to uh, mention the word term limits. And according to <laughs> McConnell, that will uh, you know, destroy their careers if they stand up against him on January. Yeah. So I mean, put that in your, in your thoughts there a little bit, that uh, he wasn't, when he said term limits, he pretty much already guaranteed him not to be re-elected, which he should be. He's a yeah. great man. 
He's serving us, the people. Michael, you're exactly right. And you talk about politicians having careers. The careers that these folks are supposed to have are at home, in their hometowns. We were always this citizen legislature, right? Decent people like you said, look... I'm working hard. I'm providing for my family, but I got to look at the bigger picture. I've got to help my country. So for two years, if you're in Congress, I'm going to go. I'm going to go back and forth. I'm going to help the people. It wasn't a career. In fact, it was an inconvenience and a pain in the tuchus, as we used to say in my neighborhood. It was a pain, but you did it because you loved this country and you wanted the right thing for it. Now we've got so many of these bottom feeders they get to washington dc they look at these brand new cufflinks with the special seal and they know they've got a special subway they can ride on and there's all sorts of special privileges and they go this is it i don't ever want to leave and that michael is what the problem is and i appreciate the call to the glenn beck program michael is exactly right you've got people who have made a career out of politics you notice i didn't say public service because i got news for you There are plenty of people in public service in the federal government. I look at my dad. My dad worked for the federal government for 40-plus years. He was a military policeman in the Army, comes out of the Army. He goes to work for my aunt and her husband. They had a toy store. And he goes there, and that was the, the job that he could get at the time, and so he's working there. And then he applies to work for the federal government. And that's what he does. And that's his career for 40 plus years. And he worked in a variety of different agencies. And I don't honestly know what he did. Uh, as a kid, I would tell people, yeah, my dad's a spy. And I don't think that was true. But then I'm thinking, well, maybe. But I don't think so. But he worked for the Department of Defense. He worked for the Department of the Army. He was uh, with the, uh, the Treasury Department. I mean, he, he was a couple of different places. And you know what? He worked. I mean, he really worked hard. My dad was up at 4 o'clock in the morning, out the door by 5 at the latest, and didn't come home until about 7 o'clock at night. My dad always left the house with a shirt and a tie, took great pride in his appearance, and he was professional, and he worked for a living. He never took anything. Nah, that's not true. He used to sometimes come home with, with pens, like, you know, you need a pen for school. And, hey, Dad, have you got a pen? Oh, yeah, yeah, here you go. And I'd be looking at it. It goes, and I would look at it and go, oh, property of the U.S. government. Huh. Well, all right, I'm not saying anything. But other than that, he really didn't take anything. And he worked hard. And we understood the importance of hard work. And, you know, the, th- the thing was, didn't make a lot of money working for the federal government at that time. But there were benefits that were pretty good as far as the free market went and the most important thing to my dad when he went to work for the federal government it was service it was repaying what this nation had given to our family thinking about what this nation has done for your family and and when he went to work for the federal government there were benefits that would continue for my mom and that was vitally important for my dad that he thought you know what when i die i want my wife to be taken care of and and that was a big part of his life now it's funny i laugh about i'm not sure if anybody else will laugh about going to a cemetery but i gotta tell you the story so my dad 
is buried in the South Florida National Veterans Cemetery. Why? Because he earned it. That's why. And, and while my dad passed away, uh, my, my mom had him cremated. And she kept the ashes in the house. And I, I God, here I am. I'm an adult man. I'm married with kids. It's like, I don't like that. It was just, it, I just thought there was something so wrong about that. But that's me. And, and my mom said, well, what do you want to do? I said, well, you know, he's entitled to be buried at the Veterans Cemetery. So that's what we did. And so my dad is buried at South Florida National Veterans Cemetery. And then about two years ago, my mom passed away. And I know you're thinking, Jeff, seriously, you're like bumming us out behind nobody's business. But, but, but listen to me. So my mom passes away. So, of course, she's going to be buried next to him. And I said to my brother, I said, you know, you know who is the most upset about mom passing away? And he says, well, you know, we're pretty upset. I said, no, no, that's not us. Well, your, your kids? No, no, no. I said, it's, it's dad. He said, why? I said, because mom's going to get there. And my father's going to go, oh, my God, Doris is here. And she's going to start complaining, oh, the view isn't right. What are we looking at? Who are the neighbors? And he's going to think, my gosh, for 18 years I had peace and quiet. But, hey, great to have you here, right? What do we do? Do we tell President Trump that we're still behind him? I sure hope so, because it doesn't seem like the professional politicians are doing anything like that. And how can you and I join with Glenn to support small businesses. I'm going to give you the details in a moment. And if you want to be smarter than the rest of us, go to glenbeck.com and you can read about it right now. 888-727-BECK, 888-727-BECK. Jeff Katz in for Glenn today. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Jeff Katz in today for Glenn on the Glenn Beck Program. What a thrill it is to sit in for Glenn. I, I will tell you from the bottom of my heart, I happen to be an unabashed fan of Glenn I really do. I admire what he's been able to achieve. I, uh, I'm, I'm impressed all the time with what it is that he's been able to overcome and deal with. And I am I'm humbled when I take a look at how Glenn has helped so many people. And I have to share this with you. If you go to glennbeck.com, which, by the way, ought to be a stop for you every single day, multiple times a day, Glenn has posted there, a piece talking about small businesses. You and I know small business owners. I mean, you might very well be a small business owner. As I said, it's, it's become my mission. I don't know how successful it's going to be, but it's become my mission to convince people that when we say small business, we also talk about local business because it's the same thing. Right? That man or woman who owns the car repair shop or the local restaurant or the dry cleaner, they live in your neighborhood and when we're allowed to live in the real world again you'll be standing next to them at a high school football game or or attending church with them well glenn has highlighted three of these amazing people at glenbeck.com a million small businesses a million local businesses have closed their doors forever a million businesses. Now we start doing math, and man, I went to the Philadelphia Public Schools, so that's a challenge. But a million businesses, that means a million people, right? No, it means more than that. Because that, 
that business, it starts with an idea. And sometimes it's one person, sometimes it's a, it's a couple, sometimes it's a couple of friends. But it grows. And if it's done right, when that, when that business owner, that local business owner, the small business owner starts to have their American dream realized, they help other people achieve their American dream. And a couple of examples. Catherine Hill, owner of Miss Kitty's Lounge in Clovis, California. 2013, she opened up that neighborhood bar. Rent was paid on time every single month until, well, until the pandemic struck. August of 2019, she was diagnosed with stage 3 breast cancer. Underwent six months of chemotherapy, 15 rounds of radiation, a radical mastectomy. She said her battle with cancer has been a tough journey, but she continues to fight. Continues to fight to manage Miss Kitties. Her bar was closed down by executive order. She has no income. She's not able to pay the rent. And despite the order to suspend evictions in California, her landlords have taken her to court. And she says she only has years left in her battle against cancer, but she's worried about the people who work at Miss Kitties. Joe Crowley, owner of a place called Breakaway, a little bit north of Boston. I, I, I know. <laughs> I mean, I knew Breakaway took this rundown building, turned it into a, a real destination place, live bands. My wife, who was obsessed with music, I mean, to a sick degree, but yeah, she's good people anyway. She's been to Breakaway. He had a massive heart attack. He's in danger of losing everything. Dave Folds, the owner of Crony Sports Grill. It's the same sort of situation. It's incredible. Please. So we get closer and closer to Christmas, go to glennbeck.com, read that story, and join that GoFundMe. It's Jeff Katz in today for Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Marines never stop serving. The incredible story of Brian Talley and our opportunity to rally around Talley. That's next on the Glenn Beck Program. This is... The Glenn Beck Program. It's Jeff Katz in today for Glenn on the Glenn Beck Program. I mentioned Brian Talley. Now let me, let me explain. Let me explain who and what Brian Talley has done. Brian Talley is a United States Marine. Now, he's not serving in the Corps at the moment, but you never stop being a Marine. And as a Marine, Brian's sense of duty follows him, defines him. He is the best of the best. So how does this guy in California hook up with this guy in Central Virginia? Remember, I'm at News Radio WRVA in Richmond, Virginia. Well, I heard about Brian Talley, a mutual friend of ours. Dave Brad, who had been the congressman representing the 7th District of Virginia for a period of time, and he's a good man. Dave is now the dean of the business school out at Liberty University. Well, he's the one who put the two of us together. And now all I want to do is welcome Brian to the Glenn Beck program. And Brian, I, I just want you to tell your story, if you don't mind. 
Hey, good morning, Jeff. Thanks for having me. It is. It's always good to hear your voice, my friend. And uh, rather than have me try and tell your story, you go ahead and do it. Okay, tell me what happened. Sure. So uh, back in uh, January of 2016, coming up on our five-year anniversary, um, I fell victim to some pretty egregious uh, VA medical malpractice um, at the uh, Loma Linda uh, VA in uh, Southern California that nearly uh, killed me. Um, Delayed and denied care, uh, months of injections, Dilaudid, Methacarbamol, Kinelog and just bags and bags of pills um, over a four-month period um, that uh, put me into a whirlwind of nightmares uh, and and pain, uh, physical pain, emotional pain, and mental pain. Uh, Finally, after months of neglect and malpractice, a private doctor surgeon opened me up in San Diego, found that I had a bone-eating staph infection that was eating me alive. My my spinal bone, uh, my my disc, uh, my tissue, my nerves, uh, and some of my internal organs, uh, which has left me with permanent pain, uh, permanent injuries uh, stemming uh, from a four-month-long bone-eating staph infection, like I said, that aggressively ate me alive uh, for a very long period of time, um, you know, which, you know, put me into financial uh, dismay, um, and, uh, you know, just fell in, sunk in deeper into a recliner where I would then next spend the next three years of my life, um, just completely shaking my head, you know, like what in the hell has just happened to me? One day you're living the American dream and the next you're just trying to pick up the pieces, trying to be strong for your four kids, a wife of over 20 years and a guy who, um, you know, uh, once owned a small business, um, was a successful entrepreneur. And then, uh, you know, uh, the next, uh, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out what the hell had hit me. Yeah. Well, one of the things that you did, Brian, and I, I want people to understand the tally bill. When I say rally around tally, uh, we're going to take that through a couple of stages. But, Brian, I, I want you to share with everyone, everyone, what the tally bill is and and what it's going to mean. Sure. Um, after the negligence in the malpractice took place, I filed a federal tort claim uh, within the VA for damages um, sustained. Um, and at the uh, six-month mark of me filing the uh, tort claim, the VA, um, Office of General Counsel, uh, was calling me um, uh, repeatedly, um, and they were very apologetic, and they took mm-hmm. the blame for what happened. Uh, which caused a permanent injury and nearly resulting in the death of me um, as a 38-year-old man. Um, They uh, stated that the VA failed to meet the standard of care and that they were going to be settling my claim and that we wouldn't end up losing everything I've ever worked so hard for, you know, including my life savings, uh, you know, our family vehicle, my equipment, my my business, so on and so forth. At the one-year mark, I receive a mail. I, I, I receive a letter in the mail uh, from the VA stating that they deny my claim in all culpability uh, due to a law that was written in 1946, 
what they did is they deflected all liability away from the VA. They pinned this on an independent contractor that was working within the halls and the walls of the VA, did an about face and left me and my family holding the bag with zero recourse, zero accountability, and zero justice. And to add insult to veritable injury, this letter, st- this letter st- stated that I needed to sue her in state court. Well, the day that they postmarked that letter, I was three days past my California state statute of limitations, therefore denying me um, the right to due process to take this case to federal court to tell my story in front of a federal judge on what happened uh, all to protect their independent contractors and to water down these numbers in the VA of medical malpractice. Wow. Wow. Brian Talley is joining us. Brian is a Marine and you're hearing part of that story right now. Brian takes all of this and decides Even though it's not going to benefit him, it's not going to benefit you in any way, Brian. You said, okay, uh, uh, we've got to do something to help my brothers and sisters who are going to go to the VA for service. So you start putting together this tally bill. Who who helps you with it? Which members of Congress? And and, and how does it go? Well, after what happened, this put me into severe depression. Um, knowing that, oh my God, I'm gonna lose everything. Yeah. And it, it, you know, and, and then you're battling the pain and, and, you know, and everything else. And you said something needs to be done. We need to protect veterans. We need to ensure the rights and protections of all veterans. So once they fall victim to VA medical malpractice, they have a clear path of legal recourse. So what I did is I had to become my own Congressman, Jeff. Wow. I came from the 50th district in California, Duncan Hunter was my congressman. Well, guess what? When all this was going on, he was being relieved of his duties because he screwed up in Congress. He got stripped of his congressional duties. So I had to, I had to draft my own online legislative team. I had to draft my own bill to get it to Congress. At that point, we started sending it via email. Nobody would take me serious. So I boarded a plane to D.C. full of pain pills and anxiety meds. And I walked the halls of Congress going door to door, urging lawmakers to change this outdated law that has destroyed the lives of veterans and their families for 74 years. A generational loophole that has denied veterans compensation and the right to due process once they've been injured due to no fault of their own. And I can tell you that right now, that why does it take a guy like me to stand up for the greater good of the country to do the job that Congress has neglected to do to take care of our nation's veterans, our most vulnerable community? Hmm. And that right there is the selfless work that I have enjoyed doing over the last three years it's the hardest job I've ever had in my life, but it's the most rewarding. And right now, um, you know, I, I'm very happy to say that the work that we have done, we've had four bills introduced. Um, Mark Meadows has been a great champion. Congressman Mike Levin has been a great champion. I was able to bring the very left of liberals and the very right of conservatives together on a bipartisan measure in this Congress, which is the most divided Congress in the history of the United States. I don't know how I've done it, 
you know, and I and I kind of figured out you don't need to have a high level, you know, degree to go into Washington, uh, you know, to make things happen. All it takes is a plan and a little bit of passion. And I can tell you, I've got both. Well, I'll tell you what it takes is it takes one Marine with a mission, which is exactly what happened. Now, Brian, I want you to hang on for a second because in just a moment, we'll chat with Brian about the success. Yeah, I'm going to let you in on the little secret. It's past the House. I think it's past the Senate. I think it's headed now to the president's desk. But I mentioned that there's another part to the phrase rally around tally. For the last three years here in central Virginia, I have asked people to rally around tally. Uh, I, I've talked to Brian, I don't know how many times on my show on News Radio WRBA in central Virginia. And we've had a lot of people, including at, at one time, as I mentioned to you, Congressman Dave Bratt. And I'm hoping, I'm praying that all made a difference. But the success is all Brian's in the legislative realm. But there is another part to the story. There's another part of how you and I are going to rally around Tally. We'll talk about that in 60 seconds. It's Jeff Katz filling in today for Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Jeff Katz in for Glenn today on the Glenn Beck program. Now, we're spending a couple of moments and and maybe longer than usual talking with Brian Talley, but it's a story, I swear to you, that has to be, has to be shared all over the country. I, I, I've talked with Brian, I've talked about Brian, I've talked about this for years. And I think we're now at a point where there's there's a level of success legislatively brian's telling us i mean here we have we've got the most divided congress ever right we've got people that each side referred to as bat crap crazy the left hates the right the right hates the left and somehow some way one marine with a mission that's brian talley walked the halls of congress convinced members of congress to say oh my gosh yeah we're on your team so brian it has it passed the house now it has passed the House. It has passed the Senate. And I am proud and very relieved to say that it, the, the tally bill is on its way to the commander-in-chief's desk. Uh, wow. Yeah, pre- uh, President Trump will be signing this into law, um, hopefully within the next five days. I, oh. My uh, former attorney, uh, Natalie Quam, um, has been in constant contact with uh, um Mark Meadows, who's the chief of staff of President Trump, who is also yes. um, uh, one of the members of Congress who um, in- introduced uh, two versions of the tally bill um, in this in this uh, 116th Congress. So, you know, we're we're very um, excited, very relieved that 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 you know I will soon have this mental closure, and, and, and again I'll be able to you know move on with my life and you know reinvent myself and you know again you know turn uh, turn turn my pain into purpose if you will brian uh it is headed to president trump's desk he'll be signing as you say in the next five days ordinarily there's uh there's a signing ceremony in the oval office are 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 you going to be allowed to go to the white house for that or is it just going to be signed by the president again i have 
my former attorney right now who is really advocating hard for me to be there yes. um, to witness this. And, um, you know, and, and I would love nothing more uh, than to meet the president and uh, share my story with him and uh, get, uh, get a photo. I think I've earned that. Oh, and, oh uh, Brian. Uh, yes. I mean, I, I, I would love nothing more. Mr. Trump, President Trump, if you're listening to this, <laughs> I want to meet you, and I want to see the tally bill be signed into law and uh, put an end to this 74-year VA legal loophole and ensure the transparency and the accountability at the highest levels of the Department of Veterans Affairs. And, uh, you know, 20.2 million American veterans yes. um, are all benefiting uh, from this. So when they do go down, uh, that they will have, you know, a, you know, a leg to stand on and they will have a clear path of legal recourse and they will not be left out, you know, to the wolves, you know, to just be eaten alive by uh, government bureaucrats who are not looking out for them. And, you know, when the deck is stacked against these veterans, you start to talk about veteran suicide and other things like that, that just becomes this giant snowball. And we are America. and We're better than this, Jeff. We are better than this. Brian, we are so much better than that. And, uh, you know, I have... uh, uh, cared about this uh, for a long time and and my pain is not yours and I'm not trying to say that but gosh I'm so hopeful and prayerful that you get to go to the Oval Office uh, to meet the president to shake his hand to get that photo and and I'm going to remind you you know I'm right down the road I'm like 90 minutes from DC I I can bring lunch or or just come in and cheerlead and and if you do get to meet the president even if you don't you know every letter of the name is always signed with a different pen so I'm putting dibs on one of those pens. There's a whole bunch of letters in there. But I want to do something for you, Brian. And I, I've mentioned this now that I want people to rally around Tally. Now, we've talked in the past. We've talked for years, right, talking about rallying around the Tally bill. Well, the Tally bill now is coming to fruition. But you've heard Brian's story. And, Brian, here's what I, I, I hope you don't mind. Uh, you st- <laughs> Your brother set up an amazing GoFundMe page and uh, your brother and I have exchanged uh, some emails about this and I know that you would not ask and that's just not it's just not who you are to say okay I need help but here's the reality Brian you have earned the help of every American in general veterans in particular the families of veterans so what I want people to do and again I I certainly hope you don't mind this but I want people to go to the GoFundMe page GoFundMe.com and they need to search for the phrase rally around tally and we have to help you Brian you you have helped millions millions of Americans you have sacrificed you've been in pain you've done this on your own now it's now it's our turn to help you and so on gofundme.com there is now a page entitled rally around tally and uh, we are urging all people who are hearing this anybody who's going to read about this donate and then share it on social media Brian we have got your six. We got your back, brother. Uh, thank you so much, Jeff. I, I, I pretty much don't even know what to say right now. I'm just overcome with emotion, and you know, I'm just I have a lot of gratitude, and I, I'm just happy to, to be alive. To be honest with you, Jeff, and uh, you know, I these last five years have been the most 
difficult times of my life, but you know, I I did not choose this job. Uh, <laughs> this job, this job chose me, and you know, I thank thank you so much, Jeff. I I'm I'm just uh, I I'm just very grateful to to be on the show today, and 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 and, and I hope that. Some folks can find some value and some, you know, you know, to my story and, you know, perhaps pull somebody out that's been having, you know, some bad times. You know, you know, I, I know what it feels like to have your livelihood stripped away from you. And we have a lot of Americans right now that are suffering that same fate, not due to medical malpractice, but to other issues that are going on in life. And to have a story of perseverance and resilience and dedication and determination to to serve for the greater good, you know, of the country, Ryan, you know, is, you know, is Ryan, something. Yes. You've got it, man. You've got it. Rally around Tally. Thank you so much. Go fund me. Jeff Katz in for Glenn Beck today. The Glenn Beck this Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Jeff Katz in today for Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program. And I'm not crying. You're crying. Cut it out. Brian Tally just brings tears of joy at this point to my eyes and I, I i'm so hopeful that he does get to go to the oval office how amazing would that be what an amazing journey filled with pain and challenges god i i love that guy i really do i just think the world of brian and anyway i i, I want all of us to rally around tally we've got that set up on that gofundme page and, and you can help him out a little the man's lost everything all right, he wouldn't tell you that, but I'm telling you, they lost everything over five years fighting for other Americans, fighting for other veterans, and um, I think we can can all step up to the plate. Look, in addition to the Christmas season, in addition to all of us thinking, man, this is not like anything we've ever seen, right? Totally different Christmas, no family involved, really. Oh, you've got your immediate family, I suppose. But that whole idea of through the woods to grandma's house, that's not happening for anybody. Well, that's not true, is it? No, it is happening for some people. Now that I think about it, it's happening for people like the governor of California, the governor of New York, the governor of Rhode Island, the governor of Virginia. I mean, but they're very special people. You have to understand that number one, they're smarter than the rest of us. Much smarter. That's why they're able to tell us, stay in your homes. That's why they're able to tell us, we're shutting down everything. And if you don't like it, well, it doesn't really matter because that's what we're doing. Oh, and here's $600, which should buy your silence. But there are a lot of us saying, well, I don't think so. Gavin Newsom, by the way, the governor out in California, has now suggested that the California stay-at-home orders are going to be extended. No idea how long they will last. No idea how wide they will be. But but doesn't there have to be an end game? Oh, I'm not telling you that I know how to fight a virus. I'm not telling you anybody else knows how to, quote, fight a virus. But there has to be some game plan that says, look, we've got... A million businesses, businesses which are now closed forever. We've got 20 million of our friends and neighbors who are unemployed. 
And Joe Biden, you remember him, right? He's the head of La Josa Nostra. Uh, he, he is, uh, according to some, he's going to be sworn in on January the 20th. Now, we've got a couple of uh, little snippets from Vice President Biden, apparently. And I don't know exactly what the timing is on this, so uh, I, I can't give you the details. But it was apparently in between Matlock and the Golden Girls Marathon. So he had time to come out of the basement. They, they you know, they put the batteries in him or whatever they do to make him look uh, animated and, and lifelike. Uh, he, he also wanted to tell us that our worst time is ahead. Can we hear that little snippet of Biden talking about our darkest days? Even with the changes in approach, I'm going to put in place in late January, people are still going to be getting sick and dying from COVID. One thing I promise you about my leadership during this crisis, I'm going to tell it to you straight. I'm going to tell you the truth. And here's the simple truth. Our darkest days in the battle against COVID are ahead of us, not behind us. So we need to prepare ourselves to steal our spines. As frustrating as it is to hear, it's going to take patience, persistence, and determination to beat this virus. There'll be no time to waste in taking the steps we need to turn this crisis around. Oh, you mean like, I don't know, let me give you an example here. I'm just pulling stuff out of my <clears throat> ear. You mean like the president of the United States saying, we need some sort of a plan, some sort of a program that removes ridiculous regulation and government delays from, oh, I don't know, I don't, uh, uh, research, research and development in the pharmaceutical companies. You mean something like that, right? How fast could it be? Uh, fast, yeah, super fast, super duper fast, really amazingly super. How about, and I got one for you, Joe. What about if we were able to get the research and development of these pharmaceutical companies to operate at warp speed? Yeah, that's it, warp speed. What do you think about that, Joe? That would work, wouldn't it? Of course it would work. It's already worked, for goodness sakes. President Trump's already done this. President Trump has done all of the heavy lifting on this while you have been hiding in your basement waiting for Dr. Jill Biden to bring you down another bowl of oatmeal, change the batteries in the remote. I mean, whatever it is. So I understand you're busy. Well, I don't know, but you're busy. I got it. Oh, and what was this other thing? For the first hundred days of his administration, he wants all Americans to wear masks. You know, unlike the masks we've all been wearing for the last 10 months, right? And where did he get the 100 days? Uh, it's a nice round number. I got it. Was that a scientific thing? Because isn't he the guy that says we've got to believe the science? All right, so let's believe the science. Was there a scientist who came along and said, yeah, listen, we got a coronavirus thing? 100 days. 101? No, not going to. No, it's going to. You do it for 101, 102 days, then the virus gets really, you know, PO'd and something. What about 98? No, not enough. Not enough. Still 100. Yeah, 100. 12.01 a.m.? Yeah. 12. Come on. As Joe Biden would say, come on, man. Oh, I got another little snippet here. Here from the head of La Josa Nostra. Oh, and is it too early to start referring to 
La Josa Nostra. Look, I thought it was brilliant. It's not often that I come up with really good things. Every once in a while. Like Focahontas. Hashtag Focahontas. That was mine. I came up with that years ago when I was uh, on the air in Boston at uh, Talk 1200. We were Rush Radio at the time. But I came up with that. Hashtag Focahontas. And now it's gone through the roof. So is it too early to do La Josa Nostra? Well, anyway. Here's the second little clip of Mr. Biden, who inhabits, I'm just reading the title here, the office of the president-elect. Apparently, he was asked a question eh, he didn't really like. Yes, yes, yes. God love you, man. You, you're a one-horse pony, I tell you. Thank you. Thank you. I promise you my Justice Department will be totally on its own making its judgments about how they should proceed. Thank you. Oh, shoot it. Hey, <laughs> by the way, that uh, the guy who's the one-trick pony, is that the same as being a lying dog-faced pony soldier? I don't know. But his Justice Department, man, it's going to be above board. We are scouring the ranks of people who love me and hate Trump, 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 Trump. And and, and we're going to investigate if there's any investigation necessary. Call me crazy. I I find that hard to believe. I just, I, I really do. I just find it very, very difficult to believe that. And maybe it's me. Oh, should I? I, I got to mention one other thing, just quickly. The Department of Justice, the National Intelligence folks have all said that all of these questions about Hunter Biden's laptop, mm, not Russian disinformation. I, I hate to throw the whole fact thing into it, but that's just the way it is. There is a writer who is outraged. Guy wrote a piece for Vice. Now, why is he outraged? He's outraged because when you go online and you're looking for, quote, stock photos. Do you ever do that? You're looking for stock photos. He says, well, this, this is outrageous. Every time I go online to look for stock photos and I put in the word abortion, do you know what pops up? photographs of of babies and it's it's just wrong it's wrong to to have quote imagery that associates abortions with baby killing huh. i don't often talk about this but you know before i was married if you would have asked me about this topic, I probably would have shaken my hands and I don't know. Oh, whatever. I'm not sure I was all that concerned. I'm just being honest. I get married and Heidi's pregnant. And I'm involved. No, no, I mean, I yes, I was involved. No, no, I, I mean involved. I mean, we, we, we go to the, 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 the OBGYN, M-O-U-S-C, whatever it is, and we're looking at all these pictures. And at first, I got to tell you, my oldest son looked like a bean. No, he really did. He looked like a bean. But pretty quickly, that bean became a little people. Truly was a baby. 
And I knew very early on that was not going to become a puppy. It, it, it wasn't going to become a coffee mug. It wasn't going to become a piece of fruit. It was so clear who that was. Not what that was, but who that was. And so I understand this poor guy is outraged, offended by the truth. Well, welcome to planet Earth. 888-727-BECK, 888-727-BECK. You must be reading glennbeck.com and theblaze.com. Amazing information. Great pieces of factual material that you just need to know. I'm telling you, everybody is in a battle in this day and age. You need the truth. And if you want to send me an email, jeff at thejeffcatshow.com. Jeff at thejeffcatshow.com. It is Jeff Katz in today for Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Jeff Katz in for Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program. I got a great email here from Jacob. He says, Jeff, everyone needs to tweet President Trump. Everyone needs to tweet the president and say that Brian Talley deserves a picture with the president. He deserves to go to the White House. He's earned the right to watch President Trump sign that bill. I agree. I agree. I'm going to uh, I'm going to start tweeting on that. Now, look, people are asking about social media. I'm on Twitter, Jeff Katz Show. I'm on Parler, Jeff Katz Show. MeWe, it's Jeff Katz. Uh, of course, the uh, easiest way is probably just the website, thejeffkatzshow.com. What's next for President Trump is my question. No, really, I, I have to figure this one out. 888-727-BECK, 888-727-BECK. If the president is going to stand tall, stand strong when he deals with these nitwits down the street and says, you're giving $600 to Americans while you're sending billions overseas, it doesn't work. Hey, Gretchen is in Texas. Gretchen, welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. Hey, Jeff. Gosh, it's been so much fun listening to you for the past few days. Thank you so really much. Have. Thank you. And I'm praying Brian gets to go to the White House. That oh, would be so fantastic. Yes. Oh, my gosh. He, he deserves it. <laughs> he does. But anyway, um, you know, I, I, I'm a travel agent. And, of course, this year has killed me. Yeah. But like you were saying yesterday, um, we are all really connected. It's really six degrees of separation. When I when I book my clients, they part of that destination is the restaurants, the food. Yes, yes. That is so. It's I feel so horrible for the restaurant, that whole industry. But we're all connected, yes, and nobody are. nobody is putting that connection. I wish somebody from the government would help the travel industry in this company. We are really important, especially. We small people, I'm, I'm by myself. Wow. And, um, and you know, we, if, if somebody orders their trip from Amazon or whatever, they don't get the devotion that we give right. as a travel advisor. That's right. So, you know, we, we travel agents really do help the restaurant industry, too. And, and of course, much more. So yeah. I just wanted to say that. So everybody, please, please use your local travel agent or go online and find a local, I mean, a small one like mine. I love it. Gretchen, thank you so much for calling. What a great, great insight on the Glenn Beck program. We really are, every one of us. 
every one of us is somehow connected to that person that has the local business. And we can talk about small business, we can talk about entrepreneurs, we can talk, but these are friends and neighbors. These, I swear to you, are people you run into in the supermarket. These are people that you go to church with or synagogue with. These are people you sit next to at the school play. And if they go under, and we've already had a million go under. Seriously, go to glennbeck.com and read Glenn's letter about this, his article about this. There's been a million businesses since this started that have now shuttered their doors forever. Are we ever going to recover from this? Oh, good Lord, I pray so. It's Jeff Katz sitting in for Glenn today. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Why the British are outraged and up in arms about Flash Gordon? Oh, and why you don't send the Jewish guy to get the Christmas tree. That's next on the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. It's Jeff Katz in today for Glenn on the Glenn Beck Program. Thrilled to be here. And... The British, the British are annoying, generally speaking, right? No, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Yeah, I actually, I, I probably do. My bride, my wife every night makes us listen to uh, British radio. And it's, it's bizarre sometimes. I mean, sometimes it's like, yeah, I get that. And other times, I just, I just sit back and go, wow, there's this... This bizarre attempt to be polite that I don't quite get. Maybe that's the difference. All right, I'm an American. I'm going to tell you what I think. I'm going to tell you why I think it. And if you like it, that's great. And if you don't, eh, I'm okay with that too. But the British, you know, they, they have that whole prim and proper sort of thing going on. So can I tell you about the latest thing that's got them upset? I heard about this on, on, on one of these British shows the other day, or maybe on one of the news programs that my wife watched. Oh, no, no, she's not British. People popping up on Facebook right now. If you're not with me on Facebook, Radio Cats, R-A-D-I-O-K-A-T-Z, Radio Cats on Facebook. People popping up going, well, is your wife British? No, no, no. She just, I, I, I don't know. But, but, but anyway, so they're up in arms about Flash Gordon. Anybody remember Flash Gordon, right? It was certainly the 1980 movie version I thought was pretty entertaining. It's not a great film. You know, this, this, is, not, uh, this is not Citizen Kane. This is, it, it's Flash Gordon. So Flash Gordon has, as the big evil character, Ming the Merciless. Ooh, that's scary. Well, guess what? The British think it's more than scary. The Brits have determined that Flash Gordon has as his nemesis, Ming the Merciless, who is not just scary, but is outright offensive. So there's something called the British Board of Film Classification. Uh, They sit around, they watch the movies, and they go, okay, that's good. Uh, nobody should see that. Uh, you know, you know, like we have G and PG and R and X. And, all right, so they've got this whole other system because, well, they're British. Uh, so they, the British Board of Film Classification has reclassified Flash Gordon with something called a 12A rating. 
Here's why. Max Van, Max Van Sydow was the actor who played Ming the Merciless in this 1980 film. He did a very good job. And Max Von Sydow is a, is a, was a very, very good actor, very accomplished actor, also happened to be Swedish. So the British Board of Film Classification has reclassified Flash Gordon because the part of Ming the Merciless is played by a Swedish man and, quote, Ming the Merciless is coded as an East Asian character, and that is now considered, quote, dubious, if not outright offensive. British folks, he's an actor. It's the very essence of acting. The very essence of acting, the definition of acting, is emptying your head of all your own personal thoughts and then filling it with words that other people have written for you. And you pretend to be someone else. That's what acting is. I don't know how we got to this point. I really don't. I'm not quite sure how it was that we have figured out everybody is, is, is offended by everything. And if you're, you're offended by something, well, that's it. It's all done. It's insanity. I'm looking again at the, uh, the pseudo bill, pseudo stimulus bill, $600 per person. Somebody did the math on this. I didn't believe me, but somebody did the math. They said, essentially, <clears throat> Congress is taking $2,700 from each American in order to send $600 to every American. And then what do they want? They want us to thank them for it. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. I've said they're taking the money out of your left pocket. They keep a piece for themselves. They put a little bit back in your right pocket. And uh, then they tell you they gave you a gift. You should be thankful for it. It's outrageous. Another group that says we ought to be thankful it's a group of workers out in uh, Chicago, Cook County Municipal Employees, went on a one-day strike. Why? Because they're working during the pandemic, and they want extra money for working during the pandemic. Well, here's the thing, and I don't know how to explain it to them, but I'm going to try. A million businesses have closed. We've got small business people all over America going, yeah, I, can't, I don't have any money. Don't have any money. Can't keep the business open. Can't keep people employed. Can't pay this. Can't pay that. But the union workers in Chicago want more money because they haven't lost a nickel while they've been working during the pandemic. It doesn't make any sense to me. Maybe it makes sense to you, but it doesn't make any sense to me. 888-727-BECK, 888-727-BECK. I remind you about some must-visit websites every single day, glennbeck.com, theblaze.com. I would love if you uh, took a couple moments out of your day to uh, visit uh, thejeffcatshow.com. Thejeffcatshow.com is where I put all of uh, my stuff. Today is Festivus. I think we, we actually have a, a snippet or two uh, way back when. Uh, Frank Costanza on Seinfeld announced that. Can we hear that? A new holiday was born. A Festivus for the rest of us. <laughs> and at the Festivus dinner, you gather your family around and tell them all the ways they have disappointed you over the past year. 
Well, I got news for you. The airing of grievances, of course, it precedes the feats of strength, but the airing of grievances is something that you and I are entitled to when we take a look at who it is that has our money and then says we'll probably give some of it back to you. Let me go to Melvin, who is in Pennsylvania. Hey, Melvin, welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. Hey, uh, thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Thank you. Especially if somebody in government is listening. I think Trump did a great service by declining to sign this bill, but I think he can go one step further by naming the names of the people who uh, authored all these different spending bills that were thrown into the the big bill. Um, Not just Democrats, Republicans, and probably especially Republicans, so that we can know to never vote for these clowns again. You know, I, I think it's a brilliant idea, and I think you're absolutely right. We ought to know who loaded this thing up like it's a Christmas tree, right? We put it up there, we go, okay, or the or the Festivus poll, whatever your 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 particular avenue of celebration is, right? So so they put it up there and go, okay, so we got to give some money to these dopes who keep voting us in. Yeah, 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 we'll wait for, to the end on that. We got to pay off these foreign governments who are helping us. We got to take care of our friends who are the lobbyists. We've got to take care of this one. My cousin has a has something that he wants money for. Uh, La Josa Nostra says, hey, we got to get some money for this. You remember, you got to kick 10% to the big guy. So at the end, nothing is left for us, Melvin. But you're right. I would love, love, love for somebody to look at this and say, okay, here are the collected profiles and courage who did this to you. Melvin, I appreciate the call to the Glenn Beck program. I really do. Think about that. I don't have any idea who who put this stuff in. I just looked at the number when they said it was 5,600 pages long, and somebody corrected me. Somebody sent, sent me an email, jeff at thejeffcatshow.com. Jeff, uh, listen, it's not really 5,600 pages. It's a little more than 5,500 pages. All right. I, mea culpa. Don is down in Florida. Don, welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. Yeah. Yeah, hi, Jeff. So I just hi. want to make a point. I'm 56 years old. Right. Uh, my dad was military. I'm a huge supporter of this country. And I can tell you that based on all the evidence we have, all of the affidavits, all of the things that have come out, all of the impropriety that's been basically un- unveiled, yeah. if Biden is sworn in as president, I will never vote again. Let's be honest. This whole crap about taking back the Senate, is, is total garbage because they're going to get away with the same cheating they did to make sure that basically Georgia goes in their direction. Nothing we do will matter anymore. Why would I even want to vote? It won't matter. If Biden is sworn in, nothing will matter ever again. When you've got people like Barr that are rolling over on us, and frankly, I think it's because they're all scared to death because the mob has scared them. I mean, look what they did to the Supreme Court. Yeah. It's like there's, there's almost no hope anymore. Don, I'm going to be honest with you. I hate to agree with you. And you get that, right? The last thing I want to do is agree with you. Because I listened to everything you've just said and said, no, 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 no. But I'm doing the same calculus you are. And I'm coming to the end and saying, okay, if, if this goes the way that it seems to be going, I hate to say it, but 
I might be forced to agree with you. I think they're going to be millions of people. Look, there's 75, 80 million people who legitimately voted to reelect President Trump. And they have been told your vote didn't count. We don't care what you have to say. You're going to do exactly what we tell you. And folks like Don are going to say, well, that's it. I'm done. Don, I, I do appreciate that. Now, the question becomes, if Don goes that way, leave 75 million less one but what do the rest of us do you look at this and say okay i i have been told for four years for four years man trump wins it man trump didn't really win trump 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 trump, trump, trump. russia 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 marsha 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 whatever it is four years day in day out kneecapping this guy and telling anybody who would argue with them or question them? Oh, no, no, no. You're just too stupid to understand this. Am I too stupid to understand it? It's possible. But I'm pretty sure I've been around the block once or twice, and I'm pretty sure I've seen this game played. And the problem is I, I know how it ends if it goes the way it seems to be going. I actually said the other night... Do we have enough sweaters for the dogs? We'll talk about that. 888-727-BECK, 888-727-BECK. Remember, glennbeck.com, theblaze.com. If you want to shoot me an email, jeff at thejeffcatshow.com. It is Jeff Katz in today for Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Jeff Katz in today for Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck program, 888-727-BECK, 888-727-BECK. Are we just going to stand down becomes the question. And I don't know the answer to it. I really don't. There's a part of me that says, you're old, please. Just, just, you know, start smoking. I've, I, you know, I've considered that. If, in fact, the, the entire country is Scrooged and the rest of the world's going, well, we're not on your side. Oh, so what do you do? Well, I'm thinking I, uh, I take up smoking, uh, start eating way more fatty foods. I, I, seriously, I don't eat nearly enough fatty foods. Uh, sure, I mean, I went to uh, get blood drawn a couple of weeks ago, and, and it came out and it was melted butter. But I'm telling you, no, I would eat more fatty foods. I would start smoking, uh, drinking. Sure, sure, let's work alcohol, whatever. Because it's all over and my time has passed and I'm just a terrible person and anything that I think or I feel or I'm worried about matters not. Now, you know what's funny in a really twisted sort of way? If I were single with no responsibilities, maybe I'd do that. But I'm not. Married? When do I get married? I've been married like, I don't know. 80 years, 90 years, 100, I, I, whatever. It's a long time is my, and, and the most important part of being married, by the way, is not knowing how long you've been married. It is knowing the date you got married so you don't mess up the anniversary gifts. And I know it was sometime in the summer, so I'm, I'm pretty good. But I've got responsibilities. I got three kids. Now, I told you about Julia the other day, my dear Julia. She's going to be 18 years old soon. 18 years old, but developmentally, she's 18 months old. And she's, that's never going to change. Never going to change. Julia, developmentally, will always be a baby. She doesn't speak. 
just learned how to walk in the last couple of years. Um, can't go to the bathroom by yourself. I mean, I'm at a point, I got to tell you this. You know, I have to deal with Julia's needs. And I don't do the heavy lifting. Heidi does the heavy lifting. But, you know, I'm still changing diapers on a young lady who's almost 18. And that's bad. It's tough. And, and were Julia a typical 17-year-old young lady, of course, she'd be appalled, as she should be. But she's not. So I've got obligations there. I've got two sons, and pretty much all I'm giving them is my name. Now, I'm trying desperately to squander what savings I have so that uh, I just give them the name. But I am going to give them the name, and hopefully I turn over to them a country that's in pretty good shape. Can't be perfect, but I would like, if I could, to turn over to my sons a country that I took care of, because that's the charge. You and I are charged with taking care of America, not remaking it, not destroying it, not rebuilding it, but taking this country which has survived and just sort of hammering out the, the, the dents every once in a while. Maybe you put a, a fresh coat of paint on this particular part of it. And that's hopefully what I'm able to do. Lee is in Ohio. Hey, Lee, welcome to the Glenn Beck program. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, my Thank heart you. goes out to you and your wife. Uh, we find the measure of ourselves when we're faced with things within our own family that uh, that we have to take care of that would pull most people under. And uh, I'm, I'm I'm praying for you and your family and uh, wish you a Merry Christmas. Um, the reason I called today was uh, a week ago we had one of our representatives uh, from Washington on, and he said Merry Christmas and we will survive the uh, Biden-Harris uh, administration. And uh, he hung up, and that was the end of his call. And today he was on uh, talking about we need this, we should do this, we need that, and uh what we really need to do is make sure that in 2022, we take back the house. Yes. And I, I, I feel a chill up my back when I hear our politicians, because I realize that us voters, we stood up and we voted and we talked yeah. to our friends and relatives and we went in with our ID and had to tell people what our address was while they held our ID to double check. And they had to check our signature. And we now have five different states. And I'm sure that all the rest of the states that use Dominion have the same issues. Hmm. But the five that we have, we need to have those machines seized. They need to be forensically examined by IT specialists. We need to insist that those states all have votes that match a valid signature in the voter rolls. And if they do not, those votes should be set aside. We cannot allow ourselves, in my opinion, to allow the politicians to have us cheering again for something out into the future. That's always been the problem. It's always we, next time. We got to do better. Next Please time. You're right. It's, it is. It's always next time. And I'll tell you something, Lee, and I appreciate that call. The person who ought to be calling for 
this election to be verified as honest and free the loudest should be Joe Biden. It's Jeff Katz in for Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Jeff Katz sitting in today for Glenn on the Glenn Beck Program. An absolute honor to be here. Thrilled to uh, be spending some time talking about one or two things that I think probably big picture we ought to be concerned with. I mean, you know, I could be wrong, but I'm just saying there are one or two of these things that, gosh, it's our money. (laughs) I don't want to keep getting back to just money, but you got to keep getting back to money, right? Oh, by the way, quickly here, some folks have reached out and said, Jeff, uh, I'm listening to you. I'm I'm trying to figure out what we're going to do for Christmas. We're not allowed to go see family. We got to send them gifts and uh, any suggestions. Yeah. Arguing with Socialists, Glenn's latest book, which you can find at uh, glennbeck.com. Check that out. It's a great book. It's a great read. Bill O'Reilly's Killing Crazy Horse is a great read. A uh, couple of books you may not be aware of. I'm just going to mention them quickly, and then we got to talk about some other stuff. But but Bishop Aubrey Shines. Bishop Aubrey Shines is a very fascinating guy. He's down in Florida. He's originally from Chicago. And uh, he, he kind of started ministering in the prison system, in the jail system in Chicago. And, and now he's in Florida, but a brilliant, brilliant guy. And he's got a, a new book out called Eight Questions About Race. A Black Pastor Responds to Black Lives Matter. It's a quick read, but it's, it's a good read. And The Woman Who Stole Vermeer. Now, this is an old buddy of mine, Anthony Amore, in Boston, who's brilliant. I never knew how brilliant the guy was or that he was a best-selling author. Seriously, like our kids used to go to school together, and we'd see each other at school plays and concerts. And I mean, super nice guy. I never realized. Oh, yeah, a New York Times best-selling author. So his latest is called The Woman Who Stole Vermeer. A great, great read. And I know you don't have time. Take a picture of it. Send it to people. Chris is in Tennessee. Chris, welcome to the Glenn Beck program. Hey, Jeff. Uh, I just wanted to give Hi. you some, some unique perspective and perhaps for your listeners as well. I'm a 29-year-old. I'm from New Zealand. Uh, I moved to the U.S. about a couple of years ago, and I live in Nashville now. I've worked very, very hard mm-hmm. to get to the U.S., and I've come here legally through all the right routes. I believe in the American dream. I think it's a real thing, and I'm actively pursuing it. I just want to say that one thing I've noticed about moving to this country is the unbelievable tsunami of corruption, of bureaucracy, of selfishness of some of these members of Congress who have put this bill up. I think it's an absolute Mm -hmm. ridiculous disaster that, you know, American folks are only being given $600. I think... A lot of these people doing this work in Congress actually fundamentally hate America. And I think that's a massive difference between your country and my country, is that even the people on the far left don't hate New Zealand. So I think it's a real shame. Yeah. I love this country, like I said. I just think it's an, it's an absolute travesty that these people are allowed to have some resemblance of control. And Trump really just had both yeah. hands behind his back with a blindfold on. He just hasn't had enough time to get rid of them. They all need to go, Jeff. Yeah. 
I agree with you, Chris, and I appreciate the call. Uh, there are people who hate this country. It's, it pains me to say that. I'm telling you, I grew up in Philadelphia, and, and you knew that people loved America. That was never a question. Oh, you disagreed with people, uh, whether it was sports or politics, you practiced different religions, but everybody practiced their religion. And everybody loved this country. That was never, ever a question. And now, you can honestly look at people in elected office and say, they hate America. What the heck is wrong with that? Uh, Chris Chris raised some great points. Sean's in Indiana. Hey, Sean. Welcome to uh, Glenn Beck program. Good day. How are you? Fine, thank you. Good. I got it. I work for a government entity, and you know we have a certain pay scale. And you made a comment about why people in the union want more money. Well, we all get a certain pay. All the people that were during this whole COVID stuff, we were not shut down. We had to work. And all the people that were shut down went home. They got all this extra money. Well. With all people at home, the supply and demand ratio, you know, the supply went down, demand went up, prices go up. Well, th- those of us that worked are making the same amount of money, and now we have to pay higher prices for everything. Well, Sean, well, let me stop you. Let me stop you for a second, because you yeah. talked about these people who are not working, who went home, who got, quote, all this extra money. What uh-huh. extra money? Yeah, what extra money? Um, I... I know several people that got laid off. They were, uh-huh. you know, making the extra six hundred dollars a week. Yeah, for unemployment, that's more than what we were making. You know, for yeah, I understand that. Weeks. No, Sean, I understand that part, and I've I've been talking about that forever and a day. But 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 you you sort of said everybody got extra. I didn't get any extra money. Okay, yeah, but you you were okay. I understand that. I'm talking. There's other people out here that were making this extra money that you know we weren't. We worked through the coronavirus. Good. We weren't shut down. We stayed working all the time. Yeah. And it I, was just, it's, it was a little upsetting that, you know, we were working and here, you know, we're watching next door neighbor buy the brand new camper and go camping. Yeah. Because they're laid off, shut down, making this extra money. Right. And all right, Sean, working. I got news for you. And I appreciate the call. Yeah. You, you and I are actually on the same side. I appreciate that, Sean. But what I'm saying, I mean, the, the Cook County workers in Chicago, we, we want to, we, we want more money. Everybody wants more money, right? Isn't that part of living in a society where we are all based around what you have, what you can get, right? Everybody on some level wants more money. But that doesn't make it the right thing to do. And I appreciate the fact that you're working through this. Look, I got friends who have continued to work on the front lines. I used to be a police officer. I, I see my friends who are still in the job going out there every single day, 10, 12-hour shifts, willing to uh, lay their life down for people they don't know. Members of the military continued working. Medical professionals, doctors, nurses, EMTs, paramedics. I get it. I totally get that. But you also have 20 million people who are unemployed. You have a million businesses that are shut down forever. Again, if you want a few details, you want some great examples, go to glennbeck.com. See what Glenn wrote. 
I get that there are people who continued working who want more. But that's not the debate. The discussion point is not, oh, well, we should give them $600 or $700. Or, as that great political mind, Homer Simpson, once said, one kajillion dollars. No. It becomes, how do you get the economy back up and running? Do I want people getting this disease, that disease? Of course not. Nobody should. Everybody ought to be taking precautions. We all ought to be living in the real world. And the real world says you cannot survive as a nation if you do not have an economic backbone. Well, the government will take care of us. The government doesn't have a job. The government is not a human being you're going to run into late at night at the supermarket stocking shelves. You're not going to see your mayor or governor or senator or congressman at the local convenience store selling you a soda or a pack of smokes. It doesn't work that way. The only way that the, quote, government can pay you is if they take from someone else. Now, the ultimate thing may very well be that we just print trillions of dollars more. Well, we could pay off all our bills, but you and I then get the opportunity. It'll be a great opportunity. We'll have to go to the supermarket with a wheelbarrow full of currency, hoping that there's a loaf of bread. There'll be no more choices. Right? You go to the supermarket now, ah, they're 82. I, I don't care. I want Wonder Bread. Oh, that's not good. It's, uh, yeah, but it's nice. I like it. It's comfort. Comfort for me. Speaking of outrageous purchases, <sighs> Heidi and I were trying to wrap up all of our shopping and gifting and presenting. And uh, <clears throat> I actually said out loud where people could hear me, do the dogs have enough sweaters? Now you have to understand something. For years, I was that guy. I was that guy who said, why are you putting a sweater on a dog? Are you crazy? The dog came with a sweater. It's built in. Well, then, then we got small dogs. And we've only had it. It's not even a year yet. And I wasn't sure that we should get him. I mean, I'm kind of with Ron Swanson. If you ever watched uh, was it Parks and Rec, remember Ron Swanson once said, any dog that weighs less than 50 pounds is a cat. I kind of agreed with him. But now we've got small dogs, and I am <clears throat> honestly dressing them in sweaters. They have regular sweaters, and they have Christmas sweaters, and soon they'll have Valentine's Day sweaters. Yes, I hang my head in shame. In a moment, I'm going to explain to you why you don't send me, the Jewish guy, to go by the Christmas tree. It's Jeff Katz sitting in for Glenn. It is the Glenn Beck program. It's Jeff Katz in for Glenn today. This is the Glenn Beck program. We are rapidly approaching Christmas. And I have often discussed the issue of real versus fake Christmas trees. But I have to share with you the reason 
that I'm not allowed to go and get Christmas trees. Now, you have to understand something. Heidi and I come from different backgrounds. We get together, and uh, she still gets to put up her Christmas village, this Department 56. Man, there's like 10,000 pieces to it. and it's it, it, Our house kind of looks like Martha Stewart exploded. It's just tinsel and stuff and uh you know for hanukkah i put up my stuff which means here's a dreidel here's a menorah and it, it's uh, that that's about it but when heidi and i first started dating it's a thousand years ago she was alone she was living in this terrible cramped apartment in a basement and she couldn't have a christmas tree and i said okay i'm gonna go surprise her i'm gonna go get a christmas tree now, I had never purchased a Christmas tree, and I didn't know that Christmas tree lots were, in many cases, a little bit like those used car lots that pop up in bad areas. So I get in my car, which I should point out to you is a Mazda MX-6, two seats and a moonroof. And I drive around in the snow, going through slush and ice, and I find in Revere, Massachusetts, I find a Christmas tree stand. And I don't know what it's all about, but I go in there and I tell the guy, I need a Christmas tree. And then he starts asking me questions, and I don't know the answers to those questions. He says, all right, look, just go and pick one out. So I, I'm going down the rows, and the rows, of course, for Christmas tree lots have those cutesy names, right? Well, you take Santa Claus Boulevard, you turn right on Rudolph the Reindeer uh, uh, Avenue, and then you make a left. All right, so I find a tree. Now, I think it looks great. The guy says, do you, do you want it flocked? No, I, I had no idea what the man was talking about. And I, 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 no, no, I don't want it flocked. So, can we, so you just want us to net it? Yeah. Should we tie it to your roof? No, I don't want you to scratch the paint. So we got a bunch of guys, they lifted the tree up, they put it through the moonroof of my little sports car, and I drive home over the icy, slushy streets, and I get back to my house, and I got to drag it up this long, long set of stairs, and I take it inside, and then I think to myself, now what? And one of my friends, the late, great Tony Rumble, is standing there, and he goes, Catsman, you're going to need a tree stand. Well, I don't have a tree stand because I never bought a tree. So back to the Christmas tree lot I go. And this guy sees me coming. I said, I need a, I need a tree stand. What kind do you want? I don't know. So here I go again. I'm going down Santa Claus Boulevard. I make the right on Rudolph the Reindeer uh, Avenue. I get the Christmas tree stand. Now, you have to understand each one of the things he sells me is the most expensive item there. I go back to my house with the Christmas tree stand. My buddy Tony says, you know, Catsman, you got you to gotta saw the bottom of the tree off. Well, I don't even own a saw. I went through a set of steak knives, sawing and sawing and sawing. And then I put it in that Christmas tree stand, and it looks junky. And then Tony says, Catsman, you, you need a Christmas tree skirt. Back I go and get the skirts. Let me tell you something. At the end of that, my tree made Charlie Brown's tree look like a redwood. Have a very Merry Christmas. It's Jeff Katz in for Glenn. This is Glenn Beck Program.
This is the Glenn Beck Program.